Under senare år har en rad kinesiska varumärken gjort succé i väst. Och vi har pratat om flera av dem här i Den digitala draken. Shein med Ultra Fast Fashion. E-handelsplattformen Timu. Och elbilar som Nio och Xpeng. Och i somras landade ytterligare ett enormt populärt kinesiskt bolag i Europa. T-kedjan Haiti som har skapat en väloljad digital strategi som ska få kaffedrickande europeer att beställa kinesisk te via en app. Och det är inte vilket te som helst. Det här är fyllt med frukt och godis och ofta toppat med alldeles speciellt ostskum som ser ut ungefär som skummet på en cappuccino. Och med 63 miljoner appanvändare i Kina flödar pengarna in. Och investerarna Sequoia och Tencent har plöjt ner motsvarande 6 miljarder kronor i bolaget. Så idag ställer vi oss frågan, hur har Haiti blivit en sån enorm framgång i Kina? Och har de någon chans att omvända oss kaffedrickande europeer till teälskare? Och dessutom skruva om kafékulturen till en on-demand, take-out-appbaserad te-succé? Jag heter Jakob Löfven. And I'm Nick Young. Och det här är Den digitala draken, en del av Svenska Dagbladet. Okay. Hey Nick. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm enjoying the depressive autumn weather in Sweden. By enjoying, I'm trying to sort of find ways to escape basically. You're always trying to find ways to escape. You know, I think it's it might not just be Sweden, it might just be you. Eftersom att vi den här veckan gräver i det nya företaget Haiti så bad vi Nick åka till en av deras restauranger. I'm standing outside of Haiti in the middle of a city. And it's funny because I'm looking at these kind of like cool glass doors, like huge glass panels. It looks like a, an Apple store. And on one of the glass panels is a big QR code. It's like huge. It's bigger than my head and I have a big head. And it says, scan this code to skip the line. And so basically the idea is scan this code so that you can use their app or their WeChat mini program to order the drink. I mean, I usually do this, but for the sake of this podcast and for our lovely listeners, I actually dragged my ass out of my house and went to the store to order in person like a sucker. So here I am. <laughs> okay, and, and why is that a sucker thing to do? Because China's delivery system is the best in the world and people should be serving me 24-7. Okay, so... Why don't you go inside and walk us through it? Like, describe what do you see? All right, I'm walking through the glass doors. Mm-hmm. And on the glass doors it says, this is their slogan, inspiration of tea. Usually I know what I want to order, but they come out with so many new drinks. All right, but, but can you describe the menu? Well, they have all the fresh fruit that's in season. They have these mm-hmm. grapes from Japan, and they have fresh lime, green grapes, purple grapes... And then they have, like, caramel with boba in them. Let's see, what am I going to get? Okay, we ska strax tillbaka till Nick's on-site rapport. But first, uh, Nick, are you a regular customer at Haiti? This is, like, my daily activity. Mm-hmm. Haiti is one of my favorite brands in China. So they make these tea drinks. It's, like, fruit tea drinks. But they cover the fruit tea with cheese, which sounds disgusting because you're thinking like comte cheese or like howda cheese or yep. cheddar if you're American. It sounds awful. It sounds terrible, right? 
But this cheese is like sweet cheese and it's creamy and foamy, like a cappuccino foam. And it just mixes with the fruit drink and it kind of like swirls. So it kind of looks like the Milky Way, the galaxy in, inside a cup. And it just <laughs> tastes delicious. It, and I'm not the only one who thinks this because this brand, Haiti, is probably the leading fruit tea or cheese tea brand in China. And this category in general is exploding all across China because pretty much on every single block in Chinese cities, big or small, you will see a store selling some kind of fruit tea drink. <laughs> and Hey Tea is the king of all of the brands. All right, it's time to order. Okay, yeah, do it. Okay, I was ordering. She interrupted me and said, scan the QR code on the table. <laughs> you are so analog. Yeah, no, but you can't use human like communication to talk. So now I have to scan. I'm scanning a QR code. So like I'm in person, but they're like, no, don't talk to me in person. <laughs> don't want to talk to you. Scan. Okay, I'm going to order the grape drink. 28 RMB, which is like 40 Swedish kroner. Less ice. Little, little, little sweet. That's triple little sweet. And... Oh, so there's tons of options. Yes, and zero calorie sweetener for an extra RMB. I'm going to be so healthy. It's amazing. Uh, okay, so how many levels of sweets is there? There's little sweet, there's little, little sweet, there's little, little, little <laughs> sweet, and then there's no sugar. I'm triple little. Of course you are. So this person who didn't want to talk to you, uh, is she looking at you now? Uh, women don't look at me. <laughs> Haven't you learned this by now? But no, she's not looking at me. She's making drinks for all the people who ordered it, like normal people, from the comfort of their homes. And let's see, there's a digital screen that has my order number up there, and it says that the whole order will be fulfilled in four minutes. And there's a progress bar. So it's like one of those loading bars that like, moves from left to right, and it's slowly moving. And uh, there's four minutes left. Det är tydligt att Nick kanske är lite väl frälst. Jag, däremot, är inte alls lika övertygad. Sött och fruktigt te med ostskum låter, ja, ganska äckligt. All right, so, so this is really interesting. I think we can back up a little bit and we talk about why this is relevant to you know, anyone listening in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Why would I care about... Uh, a company that serves something that sounds like fruit tea, which I kind of understand, and then you say cheese tea, and I kind of just shiver throughout because it sounds awful. But but I trust you when you're saying that it's not. But why is it relevant to us here in Sweden? The thing that is very interesting about this brand, besides the fact they sell a unique product that is uniquely tasty, is that number one, they are expanding to Europe. So you're looking at a trend that has taken China by storm over the last, let's say, 10 years, and especially over the last five years, and has done so well that they're now expanding across Asia and into Europe with a product that, like you said, seems strange, especially to Western consumers. So that's one thing. But then there's the tech angle. How does a brand that started off in 2012 in a small city in Guangdong province, just selling basically out of a hole in the wall, selling drinks, how did that company implement technology and ride the O2O wave in China, the online to offline wave in China, to become 
a multi-billion dollar valued company raising 600 million from top VC firms and essentially out-competing all of these other fruit tea drinks in China and now preparing to take over the world in Western Europe. So to me, that's the story. And in telling this story, I'm particularly interested to share with audiences in Sweden and, and elsewhere why delivery culture is so integral to the Chinese economy. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I want us to save this discussion around delivery culture because I, I know that's a very crucial component in this. But let's save that conversation for a little bit later. Explain to me, like, how big are Haiti and where did it come from? Okay, so Haiti is super big. Um, as of 2022, they have 253 stores all across Chinese cities and they're expanding outside of China now, first into Southeast Asia and recently, as of this summer, into London. Um, but they didn't start off as such a huge brand. It wasn't like they had ambitions to become this global chain to take on Starbucks, which, by the way, they now are eating into Starbucks market share. But it was started by a guy named Nie Yunchen, and he started in this small kind of third, fourth tier city in Guangdong province called Jiangmen. And it was really a hole in the wall, kind of literally. You can Google the image of the first Haiti shop. It wasn't even called Haiti. It was called Royalty at the time. And they were just selling milk tea like you often see in Chinese cities. It wasn't extraordinary. Um, but this is the story. It's that they said, we are going to make our milk tea with real milk and we're going to make our fruit tea with real fruit. And the quality of the product is just going to win out over all the other brands that make the same thing. And frankly, if the founder gave me that pitch at that time, I'd been like, mm, thank you, no. <laughs> because I'm just going to make a better product than everybody else at higher cost. That just doesn't make sense. But the funny thing is, over the next 10 years, that's exactly what they did do. And now they're the leading brand in China. You mentioned Starbucks. Just to kind of set the scene. I know that China is Starbucks's, I think, second largest market. The biggest Starbucks in the world is located in Shanghai. It's absolutely massive. And it sounds like a daunting task almost to say like, okay, I'm just going to take on this multi-billion dollar company. So how are they competing? So they're cutting into the other drink categories. So coffee is kind of a new thing. And I would say when I first came to China, right around the, the turn of the century, uh, coffee was just becoming bigger and it was becoming hip. So you'd have to pay maybe three times the cost of a normal beverage for a cup of coffee. And Starbucks was the hippest place to be because they had the coolest stores. Now young kids are making decisions between coffee or these other types of drinks like fruit tea drinks or cheese tea drinks. And as these other types of brands become more popular, they eat into Starbucks market share. So 
really it's it's a loss in some sense uh for for Starbucks but it's it's also a shift in consumer demand away from simply just coffee i should also mention that it's not just Haiti it's a whole category that's rising like a tsunami wave where Haiti is at the lead but it's all these other drinks that are alternatives to coffee that are eating into Starbucks market share what is it that they do better than Starbucks so it it all comes down to efficiency and i wouldn't say that they do it better than Starbucks but they do it really 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 well let me paint you a picture right so when Haiti became super popular one of the things they were known for is just lines and lines of people waiting outside the store to get a drink and sometimes they would pay people to wait outside stores to to you know increase the hype so it was like kind of like an apple release you know new iphone or new Haiti in my neighborhood right like completely offline building buzz but then in 2018 Haiti launched uh, a WeChat mini program which is like an app within the WeChat app called Haiti Go and the idea was that with this mini program you could do a few things you could order a Haiti drink from your home and have it delivered or once you get to Haiti you just scan a QR code you don't have to wait online and Haiti will send you a message when your drink is done so typically when you'd have to wait an hour online to get a drink you could just drop by the store or even scan a QR code outside the store place an order go shopping come back and get your drink and because of this they tripled the number of orders so within 6 months 4 million users were using their WeChat mini program repurchase rate increased by 300% and daily active users reached 170,000 now granted this is within 6 months fast forward to 2022 and they have 63 million users. <laughs> now that's of course bigger than many countries and a lot of these they, they may not be active users. They didn't provide the data on the daily active users, but this this mini program for what is essentially a fruit tea company. Mm. And that's because they've generated so much loyalty and convenience by selling their drinks through essentially an app. And I would say that this is unique. It's like, oh my god, this is the innovation. This is why they've raised over 600 million dollars in venture capital. But it's not. This is this is a playbook that you see all of these companies that would otherwise be just like hole in the wall milk tea or fruit tea companies. But this is the same playbook all of these companies are using in China. Haiti just happens to do it better and at a large scale. Okay, nu går vi tillbaka till Nick's on-site besök på Haiti. Det har gått några minuter och det här teet som Nick beställde är nu färdigt. Okay, it's it's ready. Oh, it's been picked up. All right, can you describe what it tastes like? Okay, so it's cool. It's in like this transparent plastic cup. Mm-hmm. So I can see all the different layers, the fruit, the grapes. It's like purple swirling with the cream. It's kind of like a supernova. It sounds artistic almost. It is. It looks like the surface of Jupiter. It's amazing all this swirly deliciousness. Mm. All right. Should I sip this? Oh, sip away, my friend. All right, we're going to sip this. Mm. Oh my god, it's good. It's good? Mm. 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 Dopamine is rushing to my head. Wow. It sounds like you're really satisfied. I am. You get the fruity sweet in the bottom, but then you lift the straw to the tip of the cup and then you can kind of sip the foam. 
the cream on top. Oh, but it's cheese, right? And cheese. The cheese. Oh, it's this is great. Very happy. I am going to enjoy this drink on my walk home. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you, Nick. Ah, fresh air. Det här med Haiti påminner om någonting som kom för några år sedan. Ett företag som heter Lacken Coffee som hade insett att det här med real estate, alltså fastighetsyta, är dyrt. Och istället så satte de fullt ut på att sälja kaffe via en app. A lot of the, let's say, the legacy brands, like the former generation of really big retail players, like Starbucks is one, you know, the fast fashion players are a different kind, right? But... What they were, and I think what they were very good at for a long time, was the real estate game. They understood which corner location to get, and they were very aggressive. So it becomes this square footage thing, right? How many coffees or teas or whatever products can I sell per square footage? And and then you saw these other companies, like we saw a few years back with with Luckin Coffee, who understood like the grab and go consumers so much more profitable because they don't require those square feet. And I think what Haiti, what they've done so well, is increase their online real estate with their offline real estate. They've sort of combined those two, and those together, it's much stronger than just doing offline real estate. Because you know, at the end of the day, like real estate is really expensive and it's complicated and it's risky. So I love that comparison because in China, digital real estate, if you have enough traffic on it, is more valuable than fixed real estate. Right. So, so, so if you have an app that generates so much traffic, people, even if it's just to order coffee or to order, a, order fruit tea, right? What's happening is you are driving the in-person traffic to the malls. So now when a mall opens up in a new location, because they know Haiti's app is going to drive consumers, right? To those physical locations. Now Haiti goes to these malls and we're like, we're not going to pay rent. Like, we're, you're going to give us this space for free. You know, especially where, in cities where they have a lot of leverage. And these malls will just say, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, we, we need you in our mall to drive the traffic, the online traffic, to the offline setting. So this is like a classic example of what we call O2O in China, this playbook of online to offline. So increasingly, the initial touch point for people to buy anything, right? And you you know about this with e-commerce. You buy clothes, you buy it online, right? Like you buy electronics, you buy it online. But O2O is also extending to things like coffee and tea drinks. The initial touch point is online. The drink yeah. then gets made offline, right? But because you have that online layer on top of the offline product, you're increasing transactions by like three, four, five X in some places. Vi ska strax snacka mer om hur Kinas takeout och delivery-kultur funkar och exakt hur väloljat systemet är. Och det är helt klart att vi hemma i Sverige inte har kommit lika långt på den fronten. Men jag tog ett snack med Anneli West, marknadschef på Bröd och Salt, vars strategi går ut på att öppna fler och fler fysiska kaféer i stan. Kedjan växer idag med runt 4-5 lila-orangea kaféer varje år. Och alltihop började under pandemin, säger Anneli. Och det vi gjorde då var väl egentligen att lägga i högsta växeln- medan alla andra drog i handbromsen. Men vi såg möjligheter då för att vara så många lokaler som blev ledig- och vi tog många lokaler då för att vi, vi kunde. Vi fortsatte att köra på istället för att bli rädda. 
Så då, då tog vi ett riktigt skutt under pandemin och sen har det bara rullat på med fyra, fem butiker om året. Och Bröd och Salt har också en app och en så kallad kaffeprenumeration där man betalar en fast summa i månaden och kan i princip hämta ut hur många kaffe man vill. Vi fixade också en app för något år sedan och den växer sakta men säkert skulle jag säga. Men det är inte att jämföra med kunderna som vill. Alltså det är fortfarande... De flesta kunder kommer in i butiken och köper sin kaffe. Det är mycket människor on the go som köper kaffe via appen. Och då har de ju också kaffeprenumerationen de flesta. Där klickar du in bara och så går du och plockar den. Då är den klar när de kommer in. De kan passera kön och allt. Den är smidig. Varför har ni valt att ha en, en app? Det känns som att man måste det nu ändå för att hänga med. <laughs> Sen kanske det går ännu fortare- nu några år framåt med appen. Det är beteende hos människor. Mm. Får man dem att börja med appen då kommer de inte övergå sen till att gå och köpa på vanligt vis. Mm. Är det så också att man ser liksom att det kanske blir troget beteende när man har fått en kund att ladda ner appen? Ja, exakt. Så är det ju. Grab and go-kunden är ändå alltid den mest lönsamma kunden för att du behöver inte ha massa dyra kvadratmeter för den kunden. Har du några tankar kring det här? Så är det ju. Det är en bra kund. Den som bara köper något och drar... När har ni liksom löpare ja. som springer ut med kaffe och möter mig i slussen klockan 8-10 på morgonen? <laughs> det kanske blir snart då. Ska ta upp det. Ja, det är bra. Gratis mm. affärsutveckling här <laughs> från Digital Draken. <Ja. laughs> en reflektion. Man står i kö på morgonen, lite zombie-mode. Man har beställt. Och så helt plötsligt så mm. ropar de ut liksom, latte till greger via appen. <laughs> och så känns det som att greger har på något sätt liksom sidesteppat mig jag har varit trogen där och står i den där kön och han kommer och bara så här småleende på läpparna, lite så här smug så tar Greger sin kaffe och bara drar. Mm. Finns det en risk för att man liksom som fysisk kunde känna sig nedprioriterad tror du? Nej, alltså då borde man ju känna då i ditt fall att du också borde skaffa appen så du får den vippen och smita genom kön. Men sen vill jag ju säga, det finns ju så många som gillar kö. Det skapar ju någonting också. Är man på um, vår butik på Stureplan under lunchen så det är kö långt ut på gatan men folk står ändå i din kön för att det är lite coolt kanske. Man passar på att stå och prata och greja. Om vi går över och tittar på den här liksom, T-trenden eh, jag är som sagt på Götgatan ganska ofta eh, och där har ni två stycken butiker men jag har också sett att det har öppnat en sån här uh, Bubble Tea, en asiatisk te-restaurang eller te-butik bara liksom 100 meter från bröd och salt. Jag såg den också nu när jag gick hit faktiskt och eh, jag tror ju inte att te, te kan slå i Sverige. Vi har för stark kaffe och fika tradition. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Anneli menar alltså att det finns folk som gillar att stå i kö, småsnacka och kolla på folk. Istället för att klicka i sin beställning i en app hemma och vänta på att latten eller bubbeltet levereras. 
Och så kanske det fortfarande är här i Sverige. Men i Kina har leveranskulturen exploderat. We mentioned this delivery network or delivery culture that is in China. And I think if you're from Sweden like I am and you're here, you might think that you know yeah there's there's you know Fedora, there's Uber Eats, there's a well, there's a, a bunch of companies that have created this on-demand delivery infrastructure in Sweden. So why it's probably the same, but it's not really the same. <laughs> Can you kind of give us the rundown on what delivery culture is in China? Everything can be purchased on demand and delivered on demand with within minutes. Like if I'm thinking in the morning I'm just lazy, I don't want to go to my coffee shop or as is the case in especially a few years ago in some big cities like the pollution's bad or the traffic's bad, I don't even want to go outside. I want to order a cup of coffee. When I say order a cup of coffee, it means opening up an app, pressing a button and having that coffee delivered almost instantaneously. In the morning when it's like not quite rush hour, wake up at 7am if I want to get my coffee and croissant, I get that delivered within 15 minutes. Yeah. This is not just me. I'm the kind of person that likes to go into the cafe and actually talk to a human being. But yeah. most people most people are not like that. They want the efficiency. What you're talking about with delivery culture, you have to imagine why this works in China. You have huge cities with very condensed populations. Yeah. By condensed but they're living in very close proximity, right? So you have you have at any given moment delivery people swarming around your location and just waiting for an order because a lot of people when they get laid off or they need to find temporary work and they're not driving a DD or like an Uber they take on jobs as delivery people mm. and so as soon as you place that order it gets dispatched to like any number of like thousands of these motorcycle delivery people around a city and then they go fulfill that order yeah even if it's just for like a coffee or a fruity drink Det här får mig att tänka på någonting vi brukar göra lite då och då. Vi har tagit en hel del företagsgrupper till Kina för att förstå digital utveckling. Och mitt bland workshops och möten så brukar vi lite casual kasta ut sådär. Är det någon som vill ha kaffe? på flera räcker upp handen. Och bokstavligen sex minuter senare kommer kaffen med en leverans. Och de här svenskarna som inte sett det förut brukar nästan bli lite misstänksamma och tänka att vänta, var är staged? <laughs> and and so the interesting thing is that this online delivery or on-demand culture has changed the way offline retail looks and feels. So whereas before, like, you might have to spend some money to invest in a nice space where people are willing to sit and chat, right? That's the whole Starbucks third space concept. It's not home, it's not work, it's Starbucks. Right. I'm kind of cheesy now, right? <laughs> But now, because people order everything online... These offline spaces have just become fulfillment centers. So Haiti, like they, is a good example of this. Like they do make their uh, stores kind of look futuristic with like a lot of like metallic surfaces and neon lights, but they're also super small. It's not a place where you want to go and like chat or like meet clients. It's a place where you go and at the most wait in line to pick up your drink and then you leave. I mean, there are a few places that it's like you can do it for the gram, right? It's all like pink and there's like flowers everywhere. Yeah. I mean, Instagram is censored in China, but you get my point. Yeah, yeah. But most places are not like that. And now Haiti has launched a new line of shops called Haiti Go. That's like just straight up go there, pick up your drink and go. Like there's no like chatting in this place. So it's, it's this ultimate efficiency. And so what you see now in offline spaces because of this on-demand culture is you see a bifurcation. That's a fancy English word for... 
two extremes. So like mm. in China, you'll see a place that's designed for in-house dining. The environment's super nice because they invest in it. Then everything else, which is basically just for delivery, it's like a fulfillment center. It looks like crap. Super small spaces, right? They don't invest in anything. It's just a kitchen. It's a central kitchen, essentially. And so because of this, actually, you see offline retail spaces elevate their game. Yeah. Because in order to actually attract someone to get their ass off the sofa and eat lunch or order coffee in person, their retail space or their cafe has to look super nice. Otherwise, I'm ordering this on my phone. So I, I think the big question here is, you know, for me, is that will this fly in the West, right? Sweden is maybe a corner case because we have, you know, the population, the entire population of like a, a average city in China, you know. So like we might not be dense enough or big enough to have that, that delivery infrastructure that you're seeing in China. But what about other countries? Or I'm thinking about cities like London, like New York, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because there you have that delivery infrastructure, which is one thing. But are we ready to drink tea that is, you know, sprinkled with cheese? So it's such a snobby question. Well, I know, I know. Snobby. So snobby. True. But I will say this. I underestimated cheese for tea. And I thought it would be disgusting. I was ready for some Mongolian, like, yak milk stinky but it it was delicious so who knows yeah if 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 it titillated my taste buds it might do the same for the londoners but i will say that what you're lacking in the west which may ultimately cap haiti's ability to expand is that online component yeah so right now what we're seeing in london is early version haiti with like lines outside the doors Right. And people talking about how you have to wait hours and hours outside the Haiti store to get a drink, at least yeah. during their opening. <laughs> it remains to be seen whether these customers are willing to forego the, the queue and instead use Haiti's app because yeah. they can't use WeChat's mini program. They'd have to use a native app to order their drink. And that's why I think it wouldn't work. So I think that what, what you're seeing in China is a revolution around all brands becoming tech-enabled brands. Yeah. Right? So like if you're a drink company in China, and you don't even have to be the best, but you have to have some kind of online ordering system and you have to be hooked into the delivery network such that you can get your products out super quickly because everybody wants things on demand. So if I can't make a fruit tea drink within like a minute or two minutes, I'm out. No one's going to come back. It's got to be super, super optimized. And I don't think the operations in Europe, it will be as easy to get to that level of optimization. And I don't think that that digital layer of online ordering will evolve quite as quickly in Europe or at all. Yeah. However, cheese tea, I think that might be a thing. You got to try it. You got to try it first. No, and, and I know that I'm being, you know, a little bit. You know, I'm I'm pushing back on something that I know very little about. I've seen people like standing in line, taking photos of their of their bubble tea in Stockholm as well. So I know I'm acting like I'm very old, but that is my point, I guess. Also, with this is that when I say it, it might sound weird with like cheese on on tea, right? But if you look at their products, they're clearly optimized for social media. 
it's it's a little bit lengthy parallel, but I think it's it's very relevant. Like a few years back, we have a friend, you and I, Nick, who she started working for a cosmetics company in uh, China. And they were producing cosmetics for a younger audience, like a Gen C uh, target group. Because, you know, if you look at the leading players like uh, L'Oreal and so on, I think the way they approach their uh, uh, products and their consumers is like, you want to look glamorous for the party or you want to look professional at work, right? And they also think about it like, oh, once I buy that blush or whatever it is or mascara, right? It's something that I'm going to keep for a long time. So the packages are quite big, right? What's in the container is like the the volume or amount is, is big, right? What this new brand understood when making products for a younger audience, they said, okay, much smaller products because one, they have less money. So they don't want to pay for a big you know, big uh, amount of something. And the other thing is that they like to experiment. And the third thing is that they want to experiment on social media. So they always had one color that was kind of outrageous in the palette that they sent out. So that you as a consumer, when you saw that color, you instantly thought about this cosmetics brand. You know, eventually what they created, they understood that cosmetics to Gen C is about performing in social media. So it's a palette for young people to be creative in social media. It's not the use case of looking professional at work. It's not the use case of looking glamorous at the party. It's that other thing that L'Oreal didn't understand. And they went from basically selling zero to outperforming L'Oreal in three years in their category. And if you think about it in those terms, you think about Haiti, what they're doing, their products are so much more social media friendly, that it's much more of a social media event to, to, to order this swirly cheese tea. You said it yourself. It looks like the galaxy, you know, from, from... I think that is such a crucial component that, and it's applicable on not just on, you know, on tea or beverages. It's just applicable all over. Yeah. That the new generation of companies are going to be less focused on real estate more focused on online real estate and especially more fo- more much more like content focused when it comes to developing their products and i think that's the key and that is why they might actually be really successful in the west because that is not at all different it's the same thing and what you mentioned about developing their products this is why the data layer in china has been so important so cuz when you have mm. over half of your customers ordering online even if it's in-store pickup, if they're ordering online, then you know exactly what users are ordering what types of drinks, what drinks are popular in what cities. And and you know a lot of information about your users because you get that from WeChat. So you can already customize your product line for the customers. You can give them exactly what drinks they want in exactly which locations. And I have all of this data. So compare this to back in 2012 when they just launched the most popular hole-in-the-wall milk tea brand. That it may be fine and well that you make the best place and there's lines outside the door, but you know nothing about who's actually coming to purchase your drinks. And added on to that, what you mentioned with the cosmetics, it's it's totally right on because these companies in China are so savvy at scanning social media to figure out what people are saying. Like all the hashtags, all the comments, every single comments analyzed. And they feed all of this online data, both person transactions and the social media data back into the engine to develop the new products, the ones that are going to 
amplify those social media trends and the ones that are going to cater precisely to the audience that likes those drinks in that location. So they've optimized this very well. I, I, I suspect that they will try a similar strategy in, in Europe, but without that data layer, uh, it, it may be more difficult. That's why driving the purchases through an online platform is so, so important. So here's my question to you, Nick. We're talking about delivery and sort of on-demand culture. Now we're talking about it for tea and hot beverages. What's the limit? Like, what else can be on demand in the West, do you think? Oh, this is such a good question. When we look at, at China, the reason why you can get on demand really immediately is because, as I said, there's always delivery people circling around your residential compound looking for that next delivery. Like, they need that order, right? And so you're not going to get that same density in Sweden. But there may be other ways to solve that problem. For example, brands, they realize that hey, if people are willing to buy drinks on demand, I'm going to open like a central kitchen or a central coffee shop, right? Not for, you know, in-store traffic, but just a place I can produce coffee drinks en masse. I'm going to open that like right next to the residential compounds, but in some like cheap, crappy real estate that's super cheap, like, you know, like where the rent's low. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I just want to be close to the customers so that when they order through Uber Eats or whatever platform, they're getting that coffee within 10 minutes. Yeah. And because that feedback loop is so short, then it's like, you know what? Like, I can actually order coffee and have it come out piping hot and, you know, every morning. Yeah. It can be a thing because right. it's so convenient. If you say that that's never going to happen, then you're denying this trend of on-demand um the, the power of, of apps and this market gap that has been so profitably filled in China. Because I think that in 10 years previously, I, I never ordered things online just because it took too long. The food would come cold, but things got better. It took a few years. And then now it's ingrained in my behavior. So how will cities and urban landscapes change? How will offline retail change if... Europe begins moving towards this trend of on-demand delivery. Jag ska avsluta det här avsnittet med att bli lite filosofisk. För jag tänker, vad gör det här med städer? För det låter som att de kommer krympa med den här delivery-kulturen. För tänk dig att du står på en shoppinggata i Stockholm och föreställ dig vilka hyror som finns på gatuplan. Men går du 200 meter bort, eller för den delen två våningar ner- så är hyran något helt annat. Så tänk om värdet i fastigheter inte längre bara bedöms på footfall precis runt hörnet. Utan med ny on-demand-kultur så kan du som företag öppna upp en verksamhet 200 meter bort och ändå utnyttja folket som går längs Drottninggatan. Och då frågar jag mig själv vilket värde kommer låsas upp. Du har lyssnat på den digitala draken, en podd från Svenska Dagbladet. Ansvarig utgivare är Martin Alkvist. <skratt>